Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Self Deaf Sundays, the podcast. Do 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 do. I think it's really clear that some of the learnings from this book has really helped bring so it gives you like a high level summary of everything that this guy had figured out the power of their subconscious mind and suggestions i am so excited to have another guest on board today um who is Swiss. Yay! <laughs> so, um, i guess just to give a bit bit of background about like how we knew each other as well like because that's what I've done and then you can kind of speak for yourself but I'm so excited to have Swiss here because we go back man we go way back don't we like, <laughs> way we back back as in like even our we our mums knew each other before we were born right mm. so mm-hmm. um we have been like family friends since like we were born before we were born and then we kind of grew mm-hmm. up in Nepal together for a bit and then Swiss came to the UK um and then we kind of grew up in our own little lives but I think it was after we went to school and college that we kind of reignited like our mm-hmm. relationship as well and I think mm-hmm. when we went to one of our family gatherings we just realized how similar we were in terms of our mm-hmm. ambitions our goals and kind of like mm-hmm. what drives us so I think it from then on like we've literally in a way like we've learned so much together like we've been on holidays and we, we just have so much so much of these like dmcs like we like, mm-hmm. like to call we we call it um and also like i'm just really excited to kind of shed some light on Swiss's stories like what's made her who she is today but i think focusing more on the potential that she has in the future so i'm just really excited to have you on here so welcome once again Swiss, and maybe i'll just like for the people that don't know you maybe you can mm-hmm. start off with like name age and occupation yeah okay so thank you so much for having me here first of all um so yeah so for those who don't know me um i'm swister and i'm 23 and by occupation i'm an engineer a civil slash structural engineer so yeah i think in terms of how um i knew meeks and stuff i think she's explained uh, uh everything so yeah i'm really excited to be here so. Yay. <laughs> like it's so hard because I feel like we can go off on a lot of tangent tangents and this mm-hmm. so want to kind of capture but I think like I mentioned on the email like the whole premise of the show is ordinary tales and extraordinary dreams um and for the first half I really want to understand who you are like who is Swiss right like mm. as an individual so the people in the who are listening can kind of get to know you as well so mm-hmm. I guess that my first question to you is actually learning about your motivations right so mm-hmm. if I was to ask you like what is that key thing that drives you what's like the first thing that comes in your mind Uh, and that could be from a career point of view like you as an individual like what really drives you Mm -hmm. um I think out of everything it's probably empathy like it's I mean like I don't mean I, I know everyone has empathy but I think that in the when I reflect on why I did certain things and why I chose to do certain things when you really look into it it's like not because of like the creative factor or like you know the people um uh sorry um like the kind of different technical aspects of it but it's actually really just the empathy because I think when I even like when I first started engineering I suppose like what was the main reason I did it was because I had this massive interest in environmental studies, right? And then where did that ignite? It was because of the empathy that I felt that I needed to have, that I wanted to have towards people who weren't directly connected to me, that people who didn't have the same opportunities as me, who weren't in the same um, up in the same bubble uh, as me or shared the same experience. So I think empathizing with people that you don't know who are in other sides of the world, I think that was probably the biggest influence in like a lot of my choices so yeah Yeah. that's really interesting because I think Mm -hmm. empathy is one of those terms like you mentioned everyone uses nowadays and Mm -hmm. we also know for a fact that if you really want to build those relationships with people at work or people in your life like that's the only way you can kind of do that right it's because you're seeing Mm -hmm. it from that other person's point of view Mm -hmm. you mentioned like the engineering side of things um so I I think obviously engineering is one aspect but is there other things that really this empathy that you have has has kind of opened you up to do things that you wouldn't have normally like any kind of other experiences that 
has really been like, okay, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to learn from their point of view or I want to do something to kind of help them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when I was, I think, in primary school and um, I've probably st- told you the story as well, but it was like when we had um, a competition to like design a badge for an um, energy uh, monitor, right? So like it was like the person that would go around like flip, like making sure um, everyone had the lights off and people were recycling. So this was like when I was, I think like probably like ten or something. That's how it all uh, started. Yeah. <laughs> but like before this, like I don't think I really had that much of an interest in a lot of things because I like I, I'm like I was a kid. I, all I wanted to do was like play my Game Boy. Like do you get what I mean? Like nothing else really interested me. So then like when so everyone so everyone was like it was like a whole school competition and I ended up winning it and literally I made like a guy who like this man who had like a light bulb as a head and like <laughs> muscles <laughs> and that was like because I was like yeah I was like yeah like an energy monitor like we have to have like a light bulb in there somewhere and on top of that like they have to be strong so like let me put muscles on this person so then so then that's when it really started and I was like the first energy monitor right and like from there I looked more into like like you know I, I think in terms of like everything that I do at the core of it even though like at times I do go far away from it. It's really this kind of uh, interest in like, well, I mean, climate change and sustainable development, right? And like uh, along the way, I found different ways that I can incorporate that in different aspects. I think being from Nepal and going back, you really, it like you're a lot more switched on from a young age, right? Just like that light bulb. <laughs> exactly exactly so like you're a lot more switched on and um like because you expect but even at that age like even though you don't think uh you took anything from it like subconsciously like it's already a given like you know that there are people literally on the streets uh, like whose houses have been flooded who's like it's almost like a subconscious thing that I think a lot of us kids uh, from third world countries like when we were younger just took for granted we're like yeah we know like this is this is this and that but like really you don't realize that a lot of people who are in this bubble in England like even though they've read about it they don't experience it so they can't empathize with it right but I think in myself I've changed and kind of reinvented what I think uh, as being like sustainable and what that means to me and what empathizing in that realm kind of means to me as well so I'm no longer that person who made a little light bulb and (laughs) but like that's where it started I suppose that's where like the empathy of it started that the initial interest and being from Nepal um, and understanding the hardships of the people there from a young age I think yeah I think that really developed that empathy side of it for sure oh I love that I think you've touched on a lot of things there but like Mm -hmm. you mentioned at its core it's like the empathy that drives you right but I Mm -hmm. think due to that empathy empathy and the event that happened to you when you were 10 years old like Mm -hmm. I think in a way that snowballed and and kind of opened you more up into this um industry and this area which is in a way where where you focus and if I think of Swiss like obviously you've gone down the engineering route to understand more from sustainability like architectural point of view but at the same time you have educated yourself a lot in that world and you know when I think of you I think of like that right like that is mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. brand from like a French mm-hmm. view. and like we mentioned this is just the beginning but I think everything that you said there which was all around driven by empathy uh, you know driven by also looking at the um, people who are struggling right especially going back to Nepal as well I think that has all really shaped you to be who you are and mm-hmm. in a way I know for a fact that that core value is definitely going to drive you moving forward as well like no matter what you do right so mm-hmm. I, I love how you kind of like ra- rounded it all off from that empathy lens um and I think we kind of touched on it on this in terms of like your uh your career right uh, from a mm-hmm. from an engineering point of view as well and I think we all know that that kind of career isn't very like a male dominated industry, but it was because of that curiosity and that drive you had from a very young age that has made you 
kind of followed that route. So I kind of mm-hmm. want to touch on that. You're from your engineering background as well. Like mm-hmm. how, what have you kind of learned doing that? And I, I know you can't summarize, you know, three, four years mm-hmm. of hard work in that, but maybe for the people listening, like maybe you can give a bit more background into your, your kind of degree, like what was the kind of key takeaways and also what you're going to take from what you've learned in your degree in your future projects and, and things mm-hmm. you want to learn in the future. So um, from so from a young age, I like I give a lot to like my um, probably my maths, physics, and geography teachers from a young age because they they're the ones not even just in the topics but in terms of like personal development and stuff they really pushed me because I was like a really shy kid. A lot of people like don't um, like they're like oh I can't imagine you being that shy and stuff but literally like I was the shyest kid and especially in my geography class where we had like a lot of discussions about stuff like I just wouldn't speak up and I think it was like my geography teacher really helped me through that and he was like if you have something that you should really say and like he said it in such a constructive way that I didn't want like I wasn't angry at him Mm -hmm. for giving me certain grades because I didn't push myself so I really owe it to him and then I also had um, my math teachers. I was never good at math. Like if you ask my parents, like when I was younger in primary school, I was so trash at math. And then it was almost like this competitive feeling that I suppose I got from my sports that I was like, okay, like I'm so sick of, because in school what they used to do every term, they used to like, if there was a change in the classes, you know, top class, middle class, bottom class, if there was a change, they would announce it to the entire year. So I remember, yeah, like they would literally expose you. So I remember once when they were like, me, you know, my friend Demi, me and Demi were like, we were in the general like top class, right? So they automatically put us in the math top class, but we performed badly and they exposed us and we were dropped to class and me and Demi were literally crying like the whole day. story. Yeah, like we were crying so much and then after that I was like, I'm so sick of not being good at maths. It was almost like a competition with myself. I was like, like, why is this so hard? Like let me try let me focus more on it. And the more I looked into it, I was like, yo, like this is a lot to do with problem solving. Like but every choice that I made in terms of the things I wanted to do, I never had this like external voice telling me like, Oh, you shouldn't be doing this because you're not a girl, like because you're a girl. And even in my A-level classes, I was like the only girl in a, like, because I did maths, physics, chemistry, and um, geography, right? I was like the only, like, girl from uh, my house that did it. So in terms of when it came to revision for A-levels, I'd literally just revise on my own because uh, I didn't want, like, the boys were in a different house and, like, the other girl was from a day student. So, but then at no point in my life did I think like, oh, I'm restricted because I'm a girl. And I think that's a lot to do with the environment that I was in. See, like when I meet um, oh, I'm, I'm certain types of people, they're like, oh, so you're like an engineer or like, did your you know, parents force you to do that and stuff like that? It's like, no, like they could have literally not been like less like pressurizing. So I was like, no, like this was a decision I made on my own. And they're like, oh, like that's weird <laughs> I no longer wanted to just understand uh the issues and stuff I wanted to really and I didn't just want to pick pick at the problems that we have I was like you know what? this is tiring like why do we always blame this person for this and we always pick up but we never even talk about the solutions about it right so I think that's when I kind of connected those two things and I was like yo like engineering seems like a pretty cool route to go down so yeah so that's when I started and um yeah, then I started my five-year journey at uni where I learned a lot. And kind of to summarize it, I suppose it's like engineering was kind of my source of being able to not just understand but create solutions for this interest of sustainable development and the issues behind it that I had from a young age. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I know it's hard to kind of summarize, you know, five yeah. hard work into a short kind of snippet, but I think everything that you've said like just now has kind of led you to this moment right and I think one of the there are three things that kind of stick out to me from what you just said and the first one is the actual um idea around engineering is a certain kind of topic uh, sorry a, a, a career that you sh- you need to look like a certain person or a certain gender to, to go there right but I think what you said around you didn't even know about that right you were kind of driven by that curiosity and that empathy to 
solve problems you didn't even think about oh my god am i gonna be the only one like the only female out of 30 40 guys right so i think what one thing that we can learn of learn from what you just said is not letting um the way you look like or what society seems is appropriate to kind of stop you from following your passion because if mm-hmm. you knew from the beginning that oh like it's not a female dominated industry or whatever like that could have stopped you and it could have stopped you from achieving and learning a lot of things to kind of get mm-hmm. to these points i think that was the first one that came out and then the second one was obviously the as an engineer the first the main thing is problem solving right um mm-hmm people have a certain perception of what engineers do but at the end of the day there are people that look at problems that they want to solve and like you mentioned is actually coming up with the solutions rather than just stating the problem i think that's the, mm-hmm. the difference that you've got and and kind of once again linking it back to the empathy side of things right how can i help someone or how can i help this country or or this kind of problem and i think that is driven by what your core value is which is the empathy side of things and i think the third point was all around like the development. And I think this is a good segue into my second question as well, which is all around, you know, you said that you were a shy person, right? Um, mm-hmm. People can't believe that now because you can mm-hmm. talk. <laughs> you I talk too much. much. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I could see that because I've known you from when you were younger, but people mm-hmm. like, meet you now, they might, oh my God, how can you be like that? But there's this angle around development that has happened in your life that has mm-hmm. made you to be who you are today, right? And I think mm-hmm. something that we talked about on the email as well was this uh, vulnerability side of development because development is seems like one of those topics that's very pretentious, like mm-hmm. everyone wants to do it, right? But I think my second question was actually what event in your life, um, in, in your life happened that has led you to be the way you are today so um, from a development point of view like is there one experience in your life that has really shaped you to be who you are today and that could be mm-hmm. a project or, or, or an event or like something that has really been like oh my god like if that didn't happen I wouldn't be the way I am today mm-hmm. what's the first thing that comes in your mind it's kind of go back to that time when I was like I think year 10 is like 13 years old right but um so before that I obviously would be terrified at the thought of like talking in public even though like I was very friendly with people at this point and I'd gained like confidence I still wouldn't be able to speak in um like with to an audience and like the idea of like doing a play in front of people was literally like I would freeze I had the biggest the biggest (laughs) the biggest stage fright and um so like before that we always had plays in our schools you know like and I was always like an extra in the background who like (laughs) literally did nothing (laughs) um and then backup dancer (laughs) (laughs) like they didn't even let me dance like that (laughs) and um Yeah, so like oh, I was always in the group of like sports girls that were that they needed. They basically everyone had to participate, so we had to be something, right? So we were always like the people in the background. And then it was like in year ten when we had um, house plays. So house plays, like every house has to put on a play, and um, everyone was like, okay. Let's like audition for different parts, and we did like I think it was like Cinderella, but it was. Um, like a twist on Cinderella so you know Cinderella has like a mouse who's like a friend but basically in this new play um the mouse is like a human like a guy friend of hers right so yeah like a remix (laughs) and then um so like we auditioned for different parts and stuff and like I literally auditioned for like the tie like literally two lines Mm -hmm. and I remember like we had to go into like the prefects like um into the living room with the prefects and stuff and we had to do say our little line I was so scared and then um then I got like this little part literally like two words you know and then everyone had their assigned roles and then about two three weeks in the play was in like 10 days and I got woken up by one of the prefects at like 10 p.m. And because we were in year 10, like our bedtime was like eight o'clock or something. So <laughs> I was like, why is she waking me up? And then she was like, hi, so, so um, the person that plays like the mouse, basically, he's like one of the main characters. She's been injured. She can't play. We have 10 days for the play. Like, can you play it? Like, like, honestly, I was half asleep and I was like, yeah, yeah, like whatever. And then the next day I woke up and I was like, what? And like all of my friends who were so much more into acting and so much more into drama, it like 
obviously like your first instinct even though they didn't mean anything bad by it they're like what and then everyone was like wait why yeah no but low-key because like i think i think about it the same way so if my friend who like hardly plays sports yeah. got selected to play something i'd be like what is happening so the same thing happened and then so i was like so we literally had 10 days so then in that 10 days i did it and then i performed it and i made people laugh on stage and that was probably like the start of like it all and then i was like i was like, it was not like oh i want to be this like actress blah, blah, blah. it was like the confidence aspect of it is like the fact that you don't no longer just have to be like one person right yeah and then after that in school I got more involved in stuff like still didn't get involved in musicals because I can't sing to save my life <laughs> I mean I'll do a bit of karaoke here and there but like, <laughs> yeah, but like I know I know where like my abilities are limited to so like let me just stick there um yeah so and like in terms of that and then like in terms of my confidence and in terms of like you know in my final year of school like I played a role and like it was a really emotional role and people because people had only seen me play like funny roles and then when I in my final year of school like I played this really emotional role and like you know you cry on stage and stuff and like it's it's getting that kind of uh, validation for yourself like not from anyone else but it's like wow like I did that and then that's when I think that's when it started to I realized like that's when I broke the barrier of like I no longer just want to be remembered as point a b c like let me why can't i go do this other stuff like why can't i try and like, if it doesn't work out it doesn't work out right and it, i know it's a lot easier said than done but just because like someone yes it's great to have a friendship group with people of loads of different interests but if you if you aren't in that kind of right set of mind you can all you can really kind of bubble yourself but yeah, yeah. so i think it's really important to try different things like for example like susie is like so good at editing videos right if like I, if I was like you know she's the editor I would have never attempted it but like I really enjoy it now like you know like, I'm nowhere near as good as she is in terms of editing but it's fun for me and like but then I feel like in our friendship group like it's okay to like try different things I love that I think you started it off and run it off well because you touched on this idea around versatility and mm. you know how, how can you like try new things and like you mentioned so often if someone labels you as something like and i think it starts from a very young age because mm. even our moms and dads do it right like he's the mm-hmm. one. if you had siblings she's mm-hmm. the one he's not mm. and as a result like when people say these things like you put that in your subconscious mind and as a result you kind of abide by that label that's been given mm-hmm. to you Mm-hmm. and, and I, I think it's like sorry I think it's almost like more powerful when it's like a good thing yeah. so like if if like you were labeled as like the kid that always disturbed people in classes and yeah. stuff like that wouldn't have an impact because you'll be like okay like you might be a bit more open to be like okay let me change my mind aspect like mind um like my approach to those kind of things but when it's like a really positive thing you're like oh I don't want to disappoint people by not being this person anymore so like let me stick to what I know and let me stick to this thing like image that people have created about me but I think if you don't like it's fine to stick with it like yes I still kind of I still feel like I am a very sporty person like that is the core part of my identity but it doesn't mean that all the other things are irrelevant i think you're right because if it is if it is a good thing you it kind of feeds your ego and your and your pride and as a result mm. you want to keep going at it and mm-hmm. there's a huge kind of play around yeah if it's if someone labels you as something good you kind of accept it and you want to do even better right so it's like mm-hmm. who i am kind of thing but at the same mm-hmm. time like it's really i love how the story that you shared of when you were like uh year 10 like you know 13 years old you're growing Mm -hmm. up and even like putting your hand up to do that little play like you mentioned it must have been daunting right I'm sure you were scared Mm. like oh my god yeah never done before it was Um, literally two lines (laughs) like I told you the number of times like I looked at myself in the mirror and I practiced those two lines like it's embarrassing (laughs) if I've got two lines I'm going to deliver it to my best kid right What you did there is kind of um, once you, like you mentioned, you got out of your box, and you know some people call it your limiting beliefs. Like in your belief, you thought that you were never going to be good at drama or or kind of do that, but in a way, you kind of went out and and kind of faced it head on, and as a result, Mm -hmm. that kind of had the snowball effect for you to 
to let you know like I can do this right like and I think like you mentioned going back to the question what's that one thing that really snowballed you to do things that you wouldn't have normally and and kind of develop as an individual like that is such a like a it's like a fun story isn't it it's not like anything Mm. oh my god like so Mm -hmm. often like with successful people as well like it sounds as if you need to like be homeless right like you have to be homeless yeah yeah it has to be so deep and i need to make my way up but like at the end of the day we're normal people we're ordinary people like Mm -hmm. i can relate to you in that sense when i was in year seven or eight when i stood drama that's my worst nightmare like Mm. i hated doing like i hated that attention on me and like am i sounding right like, can i do mm-hmm. i look funny and i think you're so easy to criticize yourself like mm. I, I like an idiot but at the end of the day no one cares like you walk out of that drama room people are going to carry on with their lives right and it, it took that drama play to help ignite that yeah so yeah if you want to thought yeah. that, i think once again maybe for the people listening is just go for it man like honestly yeah. like don't let these limiting beliefs and people saying that just because you're doing one thing that you need to stick by mm-hmm. it because uh, and I also also I feel like if if you're a bit nervous about starting something you don't have to announce it to the whole world yet do you get what I mean like do do it for yourself do it in the comfort of your own home you don't have to talk to your friends about it if you don't want to yet if you're not comfortable enough yet to tell people about it um but like I do feel like a lot of it is like in terms of me and how I want to be a friend to people I'm always like always trying to convince my friends to try something that they haven't done and so like um whether it be like the simplest things like a lot of people when tiktok first started did not want to did not want to film a video of themselves dancing and it's like it doesn't matter like just do it like and and i'll be your biggest fan do you get i mean i feel like that's why as a friend as a really good friend you also have a duty for your own self-development as well to not only be open to options for yourself but encourage the people around you because they're going to do the same to you as well the more you feed that out there and the more that you feed that into other individuals they'll be the same way um towards you which i feel like is very similar in the way that we are in our circle um yeah that's a really good point there because sometimes when you think about self-development it sounds like me 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 like you Mm. know i'll do everything that's right for me but um having that right kind of support system around you and helping them develop as well Mm -hmm. it's going to help them but also you as well right because it's Mm going to really emphasize what you know and and it's helping both people so i think development is one of those things like I, I always say start with yourself and learn about yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the first mm-hmm. thing. And I think the other part is the, 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 the others, right? And that's where like psychology comes along. Like how can you motivate others and that kind of thing. Um, so I think that is like a really interesting way of looking mm-hmm. at development as well. It's like, yes, like it has helped you, but at the end of the day, like you are going to have to interact with people. And, and mm-hmm. I think this is where empathy comes along once again, is how can you see things from their point of view? And like you mentioned is how can you, how can you be there for them when they need you the most? Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's a good segue into the second half of the conversations that, which is all mm-hmm. around the extraordinary dreams part, um, which I believe is all around that the future, your mission and your purpose. So um, I, I feel like there's so much that, you know, you've still done in your life, which we haven't touched on yet. Like you have traveled for like the last mm-hmm. like half of last year, like you've been to Philippines, you've done incredible projects and, I, I know for a fact that you've already done so much to give back and make an impact in the world. But my kind of next question for you is actually looking at the what's next part. So if there's this question I'm going to kind of phrase and then you can, we can figure it out as we go along. Right. So my question to you next, looking at the future is Swiss, like what do you want your legacy to be? Mm, wow. Yeah. That's like a very deep question to say the least. I think uh, there's different, in terms of like what I want to be in the future, there's two different ways to look. I want to look at it professionally and I want to look at it personally as well. I know they they collide and they overlap, but um, yeah, let me like let me like maybe talk about professional first and then um, personally. But yeah, so in terms of like professionally and like legacy, so I think what I've come, I think we all know, um, we're extremely impatient at this like at this kind of like our generation in general right? and I think what I always thought was like okay like I need to do this this and this um so I can um 
you know like leave this like so people can remember me when I did like by um remember me by these things but then what I've come to realize is that I think um the time and effort that you put into it and it's it's more important that I really um kind of spend longer and then you spend longer developing something to leave a legacy i think we're very quick to be like i want to do this 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 and this um but then people are going to forget i think a lot of people who i mean the people that a lot of people that i've come across or i've read about who you know might have done really great things when they were in the early 20s but didn't spend enough time gaining the experience before they did something else people and their legacy kind of diminishes so mm-hmm. what i want to kind of know what I want for myself is to really develop my professional aspects for a lot longer invest a lot more on it there's no rush in it do you get what I mean we're only 23 um there's there's a certain place I want to be at a certain age but I'm giving myself I'm focusing more on the quality basically like what quality can I bring into this uh focusing on the depth rather than making quick outcomes just to kind of mm. that, like the impatient side of things. Like if I look around at the people my age, like they want to climb the corporate ladder and make the most money as soon as possible. And like, they want everything like now, 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 but mm. you're right. Like we've still got 50 plus years, sorry, 40, 50 years in our professional life. Right. Like does what you do now, like, is that going to matter or is it more important to kind of build that foundational knowledge or, or like you mentioned, mm. the quality that's going to help you, set up for success right Mm because so often we focus only on the short-term wins like what can Mm -hmm. i do the next year but i think what you said around what can i focus on in a longer time scale right how can i build a maybe knowledge in a specific part for Mm -hmm. your instance like climate change sustainable development like everything that you're doing now are the building blocks which is for the long haul right it's life Mm -hmm. like, like career is a marathon not a sprint and i think right so important for people listening as well to realize is people might look at us and think oh my god they've made it in their life and you know like they've figured everything out but no no one's figured it out like career Mm -hmm. is an ongoing thing like the jobs that we'll be doing in five or ten years time doesn't exist at the moment just like Mm -hmm. the job i'm doing right now didn't exist five years ago right Mm -hmm. because the world is moving at such a constant like um pace what you can do is just be up to date and and kind of set yourself up for success and and kind of build that knowledge as you go so that Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a big bang thing right it's going to be those little things that you do but you're right it's 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 being aware of the fact that you are building for that long longer haul game as opposed to Mm -hmm. what can i achieve in the next five years or whatever Mm -hmm. and i and i think like we as a generation collectively like we don't really value a lot of us don't really value experience as much I think we have you know we have information like at our fingertips like we can search anything that we need to we can find everything so like there's a false perception that we we know a lot more than we actually do and in in the times that we are I think it's very important again like branding yourself right it's not I when people when people will say like oh so like who are you what do you do the first thing you say, like even at the beginning of this um, interview, it's like, what do you do? I'm an engineer, right? So, but then the thing is like, you, I feel like right now, like for you, for example, like you're not just your job, right? Like there's a lot of things that we do just because like we might not get paid for those certain aspects doesn't mean that we're any less of that person. So um, for me, I think it's in making sure that I use this as my core, but then continue to develop, even when it means like, in the field um i want to yeah i want to continue it on i don't don't think there's a there's that many platforms that are very accessible where people can really be interested in engineering Mm. i think you know like obviously we have the odd like documentaries and stuff about amazing structures and stuff which capture a lot more interest but i feel like i really want to work towards also making it more attractive a lot more um accessible to the mass yeah. so I think there's a lot like, of that needs to be done from a young age because yeah what we talked about earlier is like it's a field that seems like you need to look a certain way or be a certain way right but right kind of put shed some light on the possibility of it right rather than labeling mm-hmm. engineer labeling engineering what if you labeled it like problem solvers everyone likes to solve mm-hmm. problems mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. exactly and like i feel like there's a not a lot of people in the kind of not marketing side but that kind of um oh, uh, yeah like more kind of educating the public side of things like i mean i won't uh mention the names but there was this organization whose idea of like attracting um girl engineers was like they had a pink poster with a pink cupcake and they literally had like a ladder on the side and like girls in like hard hats and like when I saw the poster because we had to put them up somewhere I was like is this serious like genuinely like I like it's such a huge in like when's any um organization I but then they're lacking such a huge creative aspect of it like if you market it this way this is what people are gonna think and I think in terms way, that sounds more like a joke, doesn't it? It's like, oh, I what's genuinely thought it was a joke. Yeah, and then yeah, like, inspiring them. It's like, oh, well, stick a pink color on. Surely that's fine. It's a cupcake, like literally, <laughs> like the like. It was like a bunch of builders around, like girl builders on a cupcake. Like I was, I mean, I was just baffled by that. So yeah, in terms of kind of making it more interesting and appealing to the mass, I think something like like architecture is very easily absorbed by other people because anyone can go out and admire a beautiful building everyone can be interested in architecture right because the kind of uh, it's just such an attractive thing Actually, whereas like with from a traveling point of view as well like if you think about yeah what's the first thing you think of exactly exactly but then like exactly and then but then like the reality is like what makes a city and i mean i won't go too much into my interest in cities but um <laughs> like what episode right it's a whole another episode you have another episode on that you never know yeah that'd be that'd be great i can talk about that for too long <laughs> <laughs> I imagine no so like so it's like the first thing that people see is architecture and that's what drags people in but then you understand like the technicalities like what brings it to life like the planning like whether it be the urban planner or like the civil engineer or the structural engineer like no one thinks about um how the drainage system was created how sewage systems were created i know they're not the most fancy things but if you literally just had a bunch of pretty buildings like you wouldn't have a functioning civilization right so it's like but then it's like thinking about how the scene stuff right right it's a lot of behind the scenes stuff and like um it's the same as like i suppose a play right yes you can have a bunch of actors performing but if you don't have the light person if you don't have the people behind stage nothing's going to be possible so i think it's it's something that like a lot of people are trying to bridge because there's like a language like a technical language interest barrier between um the professions themselves um but i think yeah i think i really want to in terms of like my legacy i suppose it's like making people realize uh what and like a lot more uh, as to make people think that engineering is a lot more than what they initially think right it's like yes we do a lot of calculations blah 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 but you got to look at it like in terms of um the bigger bird's eye view aspect of it and kind of drag even if it means that i don't get two or three people becoming engineers it's like just be like just to spark their interest right in the industry yeah um i think yeah. it's the piece that's lacking because mm-hmm. once again like you could have a pink poster to attract with like female engineers but it's going beyond that and i think this is quite linked to the empathy side as well like if i was a girl wanting to get into that field what would i want to hear right what how can you empower that individual and i think rather than assuming that a pink poster is going to help them come into this field it's putting yourself into that girl's shoes to think what's going to inspire and spark that interest and i think it's going a layer below just the pretty pink poster it's understanding how can I ignite that inspiration? How can I motivate them? And like you mentioned, it's like think, thinking about the why, like you could have a pretty building, but why is it there? How is it done? Like going under, like, and once again, it's one of those things like for you, it, it took that project that you did in year 10, where you create that light bulb to mm-hmm. like get you to here. Right. And I think because that was always within you, all you needed was that little spark. See what mm. <laughs> spark <laughs> sorry man, i couldn't help it um mm-hmm. trying to aware bring that awareness but i think yeah to your point there's definitely a, a missing there's that's missing in the market and mm-hmm. and the reason for that is a lot of people are assuming things but no one's done enough research in the field to go beyond just assumptions 
and I mm-hmm. think that I mean you know like you mentioned that's your personal goal and I don't mm-hmm. I'm, I'm maybe I'm biased and like we mentioned we always kind of support each other's ideas but from my own point of view as well like girls in STEM like you come from engineering I come from technology mm-hmm. like that's definitely something that is missing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and something needs to be done that hasn't been done before that's mm-hmm. my kind of thought on that yeah yeah, I 100% agree with that. And I think like when it comes to STEM as well, like I think a lot of like STEMA, right? Like the like add the A for art, right? So in terms of adding that creative mix to it, I I always I always tell people it's STEMA because I feel like even in maths or physics there's an element of creativity that that needed to be there for it to start you know even in massa the more you look into it you'll realize that it's really like an art form it's like a different language it's a lot more than just like a bunch of numbers so i think especially in the construction industry it's because it's been going on for i mean it's been around for such a long time and it's the formulas worked the amount it, there's no like real innovation and i talk to this like with my friends who are in the field as well like you know it's hard to introduce something very disruptive something really um different into the industry because the formula works right like why change the formula if it already works but then the issue that's the worst thing right because people say those things have been done and i think yeah i I was talking to someone at work and that's like that phrase irks her because just because Mm -hmm. things have been done that way doesn't mean it always needs to be done that way and that's mm-hmm. where the problem is. And that's where innovation or the rate of innovation slows down because no mm-hmm. one's kind of questioning it to look at it from a different point of view or mm-hmm. it accelerates that uh, development. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I noticed it the most when um, I, so when I was interning at the building center, we had this, we were curating this um, uh, exhibition called super materials. Right. And I think, um, for the people if they're listening like I think if you want to start some type of interest in the built environment whether it be an urban planner engineering um, architecture I think if you don't really kind of know what it's about I think the building center in London it's on it's in Goode Street like I think it's such a great place to start because they really kind of take the technical aspects but they create exhibitions that is like like anyone can understand right and every, like they make it very interactive they really think about um uh, everything so I think that's like a place where that kind of stemmer comes into um in a way bringing two like two different worlds together right yeah yeah exactly you associate them with like art exactly but there are a lot of colorate correlations not colorations yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 no I totally agree but like so when I when we did this uh, exhibition on super materials there was like really cool innovative materials in like different industries that are like changing the game blah 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 and like I really wanted to talk to a professor in my uni who kind of specializes in something like that and I knew that he had a past in like working on that but even someone who was so in that field for him to literally be like but realistically nothing's gonna change because we've used the same materials all this time it's too expensive like I understand his realistic point of view because he's someone that's really kind of tapped into those points and um I realize that certain aspects doesn't work and that's fine but then like that kind of makes you feel like wow like we have a long way to go in this industry so I think like we've spoken for a while mate like as Mm -hmm. usual went off on tangents and stuff but Um, like now I kind of want to like look at it from a recommendation point of view because I, I remember on the email mm-hmm. I also mentioned that you know is there anything like a book or a podcast or, or something that you would really kind of you've you've read it or something and you're like oh my god I want everyone in this world to read it from a self-development mm-hmm. point of view like, mm-hmm. like the final tip that you want to share like is there one I thing like that? I like brought all the books <laughs> I recommend but so um maybe two <laughs> Yeah, so like those like books. So I'll talk about books that I recommend, and also because you mentioned individuals, right? So I want to talk about like two individuals, I suppose, that have been very significant. Um, but yeah, so obviously, like I read a range of books in terms of like what we touched upon with the professional aspects. I think this book really shaped me. It's Dead Aid by Dembi Samoyer. Um, it's about why aid is not working and how there is another way for Africa. So it's about how um, 
you know like aid that we give to developing countries and i think that kind of really when i read this it really shaped me in terms of like okay like there's nothing wrong with like you know you know like kids when they go to like different countries and they like they're like volunteer to do work and stuff like that to like build certain things like there's nothing wrong with that and I support that entirely but I think for myself I was like I don't just want to be a short-term answer for someone right in terms of this book I kind of really started to admire the importance of long-term sustainable development about long-term projects like not just projects that are in a community for a one two year for clout like and which a lot of them are it's about really kind of making yourself known in a community and really kind of helping that community from the core up listening to them actually this book is from my school i never returned it Oh my god, we got we got a criminal right here. Honestly, <laughs> it still says property of. <laughs> oh my god. I think I think I probably got charged for it though because like when we left, there was like a list of things that we were charged for. I probably got charged for it. Um, That's some long as you did. Yeah, you know, always go back to a whole. My dog's like bitten half of it, but a whole new mind. Do you remember that? Oh my God, like, so- look, Russ is like being <laughs> off. So this is, I think this is like, because even though it's probably not the best book I've read, this is where it like my interest in that kind of thing, like reading books that are a bit different, started right underneath. So like before, like obviously I love my like classic books or whatever, like history books and stuff. But this is where I was like, okay, like there's like it talks about being a being a uh you know a left brain person and a right brain person how this was the first of a book where i read that you know how uh, i feel like now it's very like given but it's like how um future jobs are going to change and how we have to adjust to that so even though it's not the best book i read it's where my my kind of interest in that kind of book started so yeah so i'd say like those two um and then i read a lot of magazines as well i think that's very like i think a lot of people just think like you have to read a lot of books but whether it be like online magazines or like actual core magazines so i read like systems god it's really thick this is virgil here this 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 magazine i like i loved i didn't even know he was a civil engineer before till like, i read this like I mean, I, who doesn't like looking at pictures, right? <laughs> but like, oh, like they're gorgeous pictures. Yeah, and like the more kind of you look into certain types of pictures or like stuff, like I like doing that kind of stuff, and it opens you to like a whole new. Right. Let me just mention this one first. This one is um, oh, it was one that I like I'd never seen before, but it's called Made Thought. This was the first ever one that they made it's called um to think how do you go deep in a shallow world and it's very abstract and um but it talks about again about um reinventing yourself about how time how we don't give things time and about what you do i suppose like per- making things more personal right but yeah so it's like how we should how time and thinking is becoming a luxury now every now and then i'll pick something like this up which really kind of challenges my thought because i've never thought i've never even thought about those kind of things gear yeah. and that links to the vers- versatility side again right mm. Like, mm. doing things which you wouldn't normally but you get mm-hmm. you learn about exactly. the world that's not just mm-hmm. focused Mhm mhm definitely. So yeah, so those are like the books. In terms of people, I, I'll talk about like two people real quick. But okay, this is like really random because I know a lot of people be like oh Michelle Obama who are like obviously all very amazing. But you know <laughs> Eddie like Eddie Eddie Wong from you know Eddie Wong? Um uh he's like on Vice like he owns like the uh, restaurants and stuff like that. But let me try to find a picture of him. I probably know him if I saw his face, but maybe you can get more insight into. Yeah, like you definitely. Oh, the guy that uh, wrote "Fresh Off the Boat." Oh, him. Yes. So he, um, yeah. So he owns Bao House, which is like a restaurant and stuff. I believe he's Taiwanese, um, like American-born uh, Taiwanese. But basically, this is the reason I always say like he's probably one of the most influential people. Uh, in terms of like my like development is because 
I watched Vice like religiously, like because I discovered Vice when I was quite young and I was like, this is a complete different news source. They talk about so many different things and they talk about it in like such a way that really kind of entices me. Yeah. And I watched his show. Um, it was like, I even forgot the name of it actually. It was like um, where he travels to different countries to find like different um like cuisines and stuff like that oh yeah huang's world so it's on vice and i really recommend people to watch that and he always talks isn't it because it's like just stuff that it's like oh my god i want to find out more right exactly but like basically he talks about so he goes to these different countries to try different cuisines um but then really learns about like the country and the culture and stuff like that as well and like in a podcast he also said like he uses food as like the thing to drag people in because who can say no to food right because once you start talking about like racial issues or um people and divides and stuff people will just shut in but if you drag people in with food like everyone loves food people are gonna come right the random short one is <laughs> Um, so there's this Chinese actress called Fan Bingbing. I think she's an under like a lot of like controversy now. But basically, I used to be obsessed with like superheroes and stuff when I was younger, mm-hmm. right? And I used to love X-Men. And this was around the act- time where I really kind of enjoyed acting. And I remember going to the cinema and then Fan Bingbing, who played Blink, um, showed up for like two minutes. And I was like, like, she was like, an, like she's like China's like probably most successful actress but I'd never seen her in Hollywood and he, she came for like a two second like badass like fight scene and I was like who is this person oh. and that's when I realized yeah that's when you realize like how much import like how much representation like, how much how important it is okay so I'd, I'd say not her directly but like her being in that movie I was like wow um like yeah I was kind of really taken back in that moment so I'd say her yeah I'd say like those two so interesting Mm -hmm. once again you are very versatile (laughs) 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 because um because I think on your Instagram bio something like you like Michelangelo yeah goodness see someone deep like that you know Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm I love how you like meant like what like a restaurant guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, mm-hmm. yeah, no, 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 no. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but I he, agree, I agree. Like, you know, he's talking about things, but like that's inspired you to yeah. as well. So I love how you like shared things that isn't typical. You know, like it's not, right, right. Not like some people might not even know them, but now they do. So yeah, like, yeah. My reputation, but no, I, I'm yeah. gonna check them out anyway. I've, I've like, yeah I'm searching Eddie Hong, but. I love yeah, that. check them out. I mean, yeah, that brings us to the final question. Like I mentioned all the time, I've taken loads of notes as well, like mm-hmm. kind of figuring that all out. But I think from the beginning of what you mentioned around empathy and like your journey around growing up in school and doing things that you wouldn't do and taking the lens into the engineering world and event, like finally wrapping it up with the legacy part of the world, I think that has given a true kind of insight to me and also everyone listening in terms of your ordinary tales but also your extraordinary dreams as well right which is the premise of the whole show so once again I'm like really excited to kind of share this once it's out but (laughs) there's so much more we can speak of right so I'm actually thinking of maybe doing another session where we all like-minded people come along and talk about these topics and you know that could be a whole another episode but I think this as an initial intro into Kustis is is going to be really Mm. helpful and I'm really looking forward to like learning from you in the future and also like cheering you on from the sidelines when you go out and do these things like we always do and see what else we can achieve together. So once again, thank you so much, Swiss. And I look forward to having you again in the future. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. I can't wait to like listen to your other ones as well. And kind oh, of, you're going to um, love it. Just, yeah, just see you kind of grow in this field as well. It's super, super exciting. So yeah, thank you for creating the space and thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you guys once again for listening to another episode of the podcast hope you guys found it as enjoyable as i did recording it and if you want to share some feedback or show some support feel free to follow me on at self tough sundays with a double s on instagram and i look forward to catching you same time next week thank you bye